God's redemptive game plan. God's redemptive game plan. What does God's game plan include? Three things. I'm going to touch on each one of them briefly. God's game plan to save sinners includes three things. One, a superstar. Two, a scope. And three, guaranteed success. A superstar, a scope, and success. Superstar. Every great team has great players. Every great team typically has a great player. Most great teams have a superstar. God's game plan includes a superstar, and I can tell you who it's not. It's not any of you. (laughs) And if I said to you, who is God's superstar? You would all shout, Jesus. Good, you're such good congregants. You're such good students. But then I would say to you, I just read you a passage from Isaiah 49, and I'm saying that the answer to that question comes from Isaiah 49, and I ask you to read it again and point to where you find Jesus. I want you to tell me where you see the name Jesus. It's not a trick question. I'll just tell you right now. You won't find it. won't find it. What you will find is a description of someone called the servant of the Lord, who we know is fulfilled in Jesus. So you were right. We want to see how our Bible fits together. Isaiah is sharing a prophecy. Isaiah did not know Jesus. Isaiah is is sharing a word, a poetic word that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, inspired him to write down. And it's a word that meant something for his original audience, and it resonates forward into power, into its fulfillment. Who is the servant of the Lord? It says he was set apart from birth. It says he's a uniquely gifted individual. It says that he's equipped for God's mission, and he calls the world to listen. He's calling Brandywine Grace to listen. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, everybody, you peoples from afar, everybody. The Lord is putting the world on notice. He's, He's commanding everyone to listen to what he has to say. He demands a hearing from the entire world. And then he tells us about this servant of the Lord. And then he says something shocking about this servant of the Lord. He tells us that this servant of the Lord is is a superstar unlike any superstar that we know. Because the superstars that we think of are always prominent. You know who the superstar on the team is. You know who the superstars of the NFL are. They're the ones with their face on the cover of the new Madden. God tells us something crazy here. That he has actually, God has hid him away. God, don't hide the superstar away. Make him prominent. Like all of us would if we were in charge of things. 
He doesn't act the way that a superstar should. He's not immediately recognizable. I don't know what your thoughts are about Jesus. If you lined him up with the 12, I'll bet you some of us think if you lined him up with the 12, he'd be the most handsome, he'd be ripped. He'd be the one that stands out because he's the superstar. He's the superhero. That's not what the scripture says. Isaiah tells us a little bit more about the superstar in Isaiah 53. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So you would look at Jesus and pass him by if you were walking by because he wouldn't get your attention. He wouldn't, you wouldn't be attracted to him physically. That's what the scripture says. It says he's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He's not immediately recognizable. Our Savior, you know the story of Christmas, empties himself. He's God. He empties himself of everything, of all but love, and becomes a human being. Not just a human being, but a baby. He, he takes the form of a baby, and he's born to paupers. He's born to poor people. He's born into, the, he's born into a neighborhood that none of us want to live in. That's the servant of the Lord. God gets the intention, the attention of the world with improbable strategies. Write that down. Because he's doing that even in your life. God's going to get the intention of the world in ways that you think might not be a good plan. He's working all things for good in your life and going to get the attention of the world with improbable gospel strategies. That means that you who have been saved and, and redeemed by God, but you look at yourself and you think, I'm not that gifted. Like, I'm not that impressive. Nobody really likes me. I feel alone. God's got a plan for you. God gets the attention of the world with improbable gospel strategies. And the world, which, which highlights things, the world values things that heaven doesn't value. And, and so those, it, those that are born in, into this world, into this earth, and have it all, Jesus says, have a problem that they're going to face because it's going to be hard for you to get to heaven because you're receiving your heaven on earth. So it's okay to not be impressive by the world standards because God gets the attention of the world with improbable gospel strategies and he does that even in the way he puts forward the superstar of his game plan. Hidden until the time is right, Jesus emerges in history to conquer, not the way people thought he would conquer, not by military might, not the way that he think he should, he conquers by the force of truth and his name is is Jesus. Now let me just make one comment here about what Isaiah said. He begins at verse 6 to talk about a light for the nations. I will make you, the servant of the Lord, as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Jesus is a light for the nations that live in darkness. John talks about light all the time. He says, Jesus is the light of the world. 
I try to remember that, that Jesus is like this light that's shining into the darkness. Why? Because he wants to bring salvation. His desire is to bring salvation, it says right here, to the ends of the earth. How will he do it? By shining the light on the superstar. Jesus is the savior of the world, church, and there is no other. He is the light of the world, and there is no other light that shines like Jesus. There's no other wisdom that will save you. There's no philosophy that if you could learn it deeply enough that will save you. There's no political party or strategy that will save you. There is no moral code that by following it closely enough will save you. There is no relationship. Some of you are longing for a relationship because you believe that it would save you. You wouldn't say it that way, but you're putting your hope into this thing and and acting as if and living as if and believing in the deepest places of your heart that if you could have that, it would save you. It would satisfy you. It would make you happy. And I want to tell you what Isaiah is telling you is that a relationship will not save you. Can be good, can be helpful, but it won't save you. Money will not save you, Chester County residents. (laughs) Money will not save you. Is it good to have a little bit? Yeah, make as much as you can so you can save as much as you can so you can give as much as you can. But it won't save you. So if you got a lot of money in your retirement fund, or you're sitting here and I say retirement fund and you laugh, retirement fund. I ain't got a penny, man. I'm in debt to everybody. You're just as rich in Christ. Now, we can talk about why you ended up in the situation you're in. But in the big picture, you see, money's not going to save you. Your next job is not going to save you. There is no therapeutic program that's going to save you. There is no drug that if I could just get my mind right will save you, can help you, but it won't save you. There is no amount of material possessions that will save you. My sons and my father-in-law, we love cars. We're always texting back and forth pictures. Mine, if you're ever wondering what to put, put on my gift list, it's like an older Porsche. I'll take any one of those, but, in, but an older Porsche, I love them. We love to just text pictures back and forth, and we just look at them longingly. And I doubt I'll ever have one, but I sure would like to have one. But I know this, it will not save me. It's just fun to drive. You can impress people for a little bit, but it ain't going to save you. Only Jesus will save you. Only Jesus can save you. You need a savior. Some of you are here. You want your gloom lifted. You want your darkness destroyed. You want it to go away. You want to have confusion replaced with simplistic truth. I'm telling you, Jesus is the breakthrough you need. We are hopelessly lost in darkness apart from him. He's the light of our salvation. Who's the superstar of your story? Who's the superstar? 
Who's the hero of your story? When the credits roll, I, our church is getting older. We got, we got older folks that are joining us. We've got a, we're all older since we planted the church. I anticipate that I'm going to be doing more funerals in the days to come than I have done up to this point. When I do your funeral, I know it'll be a privilege and an honor to do it. And when you, some of you do mine. When the credits roll on the movie of your life, who gets the credit? Who's going to get the credit? Will there be other names there? Yes. But who's going to get the credit? Who's the hero of your story? It should be Jesus. He's the superstar. Let's talk about the scope, and then I'll make a very brief comment about the success. The scope. He's given Jesus to be a light for the nations, a light for the world. For what purpose? It's right there in verse 6. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation, somebody else read it to me, may reach, anybody got it? To the end, keep it open. You should keep your Bibles open. To the end, it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what God says. May reach to the ends of the earth. From Israel to the ends of the earth. That sounds just like the Great Commission. Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. This is where this thing is going. And, and God says something really incredible here because he says if he just took salvation, if it was just restoring the sinners of Israel, which is what Isaiah is prophesying about. He's prophesying to those that are in exile and there's this hope that they have that they're going to be restored. But, but if it was just Israel that was God's game plan, God says this, that's too small of a thing. It's too light of a thing. Aren't you glad that God and his game plan included some people that are outside of what we see here? Aren't you glad that God thought it too light of a thing that, that he would just restore Israel, but that his game plan is always intended to reach to the farthest ends of the earth, which includes you? God's redemptive concerns have always been global. We are like this. We live with soda straws for vision. God has a panoramic view on his creation, and he loves and cares about people. He says that this salvation is going to reach to the end of the earth. This is the biblical pattern for missions. It always goes this way. God works through the particular to reach the universal. He works through the particular to reach the universal. That's the way our mission's going to flow out at Brandywine Grace. He's always going to work in a particular people, us, but his intentions will always include something beyond us. There's people here in this community who don't know Jesus that will one day join us singing and worshiping him because his, his mission's going to break out from us. But it won't just be local. It'll be global. That's why we sent out the goings. That's why Christie's out serving. That's why we, we are concerned and, and care about the Hartzels. That's why we want to send out even more people. Because God works through the particular to reach the universal. God's heart is for the nations, which we've, you've heard this explained before, but the nations, the word in Genesis 12, is actually the word ethne, which is where we get the word ethnicity. It's used over 250 times. 
in the Old Testament. Some of you have heard, we've mentioned it before, the Joshua Project. You'll hear different data thrown around. Gary's probably the, Gary, our global missions pastor, is probably the most in tune with these things. But when I read this last Joshua Project, over 16,000 ethne, 16,000 people groups in the world, over 6,000 of them. I think Andy, maybe Andy has updated data. I think he said 7,000. So, so there's a large group of people, six to 7,000 of these ethne, of these ethnicities that are unreached. That means technically that fewer than 2% of the entire people group are Christians. That means in some countries, you could fit all the Christians easily in the front row of our church. They're living in darkness, and there's no one to tell them about Jesus. But God, has his game plan, has always included reaching them. You might not like some of those people. You might look at some of those people and say, I don't like them. I'm not attracted to them. But God says that his salvation is going to reach to the ends of the earth and that one day he'll gather all of his people and there's going to be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation worshiping him. That's what the scripture says. I'm not making this up. They're living and dying in darkness with no hope of hearing the gospel because there's no access. And if those things don't matter to us, and I, I want this to matter more to me. Start with me, Lord. I want these things to matter to me. I want them to matter to us. And if it doesn't matter to us, if the fact that God says that he's going to make Jesus a light for the nations and that his salvation is going to reach to the ends of the earth, if that doesn't matter to us, then I just want to tell you we are defective Christians. We've got something wrong with our machinery. These things have to matter to us because God's, the things that are on God's heart ought to matter to us, right? And so the scripture reminds us, adjusts us. We, none of us ever get there. I need this again today. Don't you need this again today? Don't you need God's reminder? Every week I come and I need a reminder of God's truth. I need him to get me back in line. I need a, I need a chiropractic adjustment that only the word of God can bring. The Lord's called, the Lord's developed a game plan. He's called a play. The question for us is, if you're in Christ, will you run the play? Will you participate? Are you the kind of Christian that's content to sit on the sidelines and say, I'm me, save that for the Hartzels. Save that for Ben and Jay. I'll put a magnet on the refrigerator and try to pray for you every time I make dinner. But, but that magnet will probably get buried by something else. Who's going to pray for him? You see what I'm saying? We don't all have to go like Ben and Jay, but we all should have God's heart, which is that he would be a light to the nations, that his salvation would reach to the ends of the earth. Are you going to join in, Brandy and Grace? Are you going to join in the game? Or are you content to sit on the sidelines and just kind of build yourself up in Jesus? we got a Connect event coming up. Some of you are sitting here wondering, what, how do I do this? How do I participate in God's game plan? How do I, how do I, how do I grow in my knowledge of Jesus? How do, I, how do I make some friends in this church? How do I take a next step? Come to that Connect event. We're going to be talking about ways this fall that you can get more connected into the vision and the mission of Brandywine Grace Church. 
This I can assure you, you will never regret giving your life as a participant of God's game plan of salvation for sinners, ever. There are things you regret. I have regrets, you have regrets. That won't be one of them. If you commit your life to God's game plan, you'll never have that as a regret. Finally, and I'm going to ask Gary to come up now. Finally, I just want to say, I said it, God's game plan, superstar, Jesus, scope, the ends of the earth, success. Is it going to succeed? Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. This is one game plan. You've been a part of a lot of games in your life, and you've lost some. This is a Super Bowl. You're going to win because Jesus is going to win. And if you're on Team Jesus, you win. It's already over. He's just wrapping things up. We are going to experience success. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Your Savior didn't have it easy. He crossed the threshold of death, bloodied and beaten. God's working all things for good. That doesn't mean you're not going through some trial. He says he's going to overcome the world, but he's also said you're going to have trouble in it. So we're going to have trouble. We're going to have trial. But take heart, friends. We are going to win. Because we on the, on the side of Jesus, the superstar, author, and perfecter of our faith. Amen?